This morning, the message is entitled, Look to Jesus and Live. We're continuing our series, God's Story, Our Story, by moving on to the book of Numbers. The next two books that follow after Exodus are Leviticus and Numbers, and it continues the story of the people of God traveling from Sinai onto the promised land. And it's here in Leviticus and Numbers that we see God's preparation, God finally preparing the people of God to enter the promised land as his chosen people entering his chosen land. This morning we're going to be looking at a rather strange story in Numbers chapter 21. It's the story of the bronze serpent in the wilderness. We're going to be looking at Numbers 21 verses 4 through 9 and then turning our attention to the New Testament by looking at John chapter 3 verses 7 and 8 and 14 and 15. Numbers chapter 21, 4 through 9, and then John 3, 7 and 8 and 14 and 15. Look to Jesus and live. This is the word of the Lord. Verse 4 in chapter 21 says, From Mount Or they set out by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food, no water, and we loathe this worthless food. And then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he will take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent, set it on a pole, And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. John chapter 3. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Amen. Virtually anywhere you go in the world... You go to a hospital, you go to a medical office, you might see the side of an ambulance, you will see this symbol of a snake on a pole. You see, the snake on a pole, which we read about here in Numbers chapter 21, has become the universal symbol for healing. And we're going to learn why here in the passage this morning. You see this obscure and strange story in Numbers chapter 21 reveals to us a story of cosmic sickness, but also a story of cosmic healing. It's this story here of the bronze serpent on a pole 
that teaches us something so profound about God's story, but also something so profound about our story as well. What can the bronze serpent on the pole teach us today? The first thing that I want you to see here in the passage is that we have a sickness, but it is a sickness of the soul. You see, in verses four and five, we see that the people of God are once again complaining. This seems to be a constant theme with God's people. You see, they are complaining in the wilderness because they are tired of the food that God is providing. God has provided for his people food called manna. It is literally food from heaven, manna from heaven. And the people in verse 4 and 5 are complaining because they're tired of this food. They're saying they, they loathe this food. And we want the food that we used to have when we were slaves in Egypt. And what God does in verse 6 is he sends fiery serpents into the camp and they begin to bite people and people begin to die. And at first glance, on the surface, the modern reader might read this passage and go, God, this was, uh, this was quite the exaggeration. This was quite the overreaction. I mean, it was wrong that the people complained. It was wrong that they were grumbling. But really, to send fiery serpents into the camp? I mean, couldn't there have been another punishment? It doesn't seem like the punishment fits the crime. But we have to understand at a deeper level what's happening here. You see, all complaining this passage is teaching us and elsewhere through the scripture is all complaining is ultimately complaining against God. What was actually going on here in the passage was they weren't simply complaining about the manna. They were ultimately complaining about God. And they were saying, "What well, God, what you have provided is not enough. God, you, we don't trust you. We don't trust your plan. We don't trust that you will provide exactly what we need on this journey through the wilderness. All complaining is ultimately complaining against the sovereignty of God. And actually, this complaining isn't anything new, is it? This complaining actually goes all the way back to the garden in Genesis chapter 3, where we see of all creatures who enters the garden but a serpent. And it was the serpent who deceived our first parents, Adam and Eve. And this is what he deceived them. He deceived them by convincing them that what God has provided in the garden, what God has provided in paradise is not enough. And ever since Genesis chapter 3, the serpent has been convincing us that God is not enough, that God can't be trusted. And the reason we complain is because we ultimately don't trust in the provision of God. And we are continually confronted with the reality of a heart and a soul that is never content with a soul that is never able to be satisfied with what this world offers and never able to be content with what this world provides. And so what is happening here in Numbers chapter 21 
is God is revealing through the serpents a deeper problem that yes, the suffering and the agony of the the physical biting of the serpents in the wilderness is bad, but it is revealing and serving as a mirror and reflection to a deeper problem of the soul. What's happening to them physically is simply a reflection of a greater problem of the soul that not only the people of God suffer from, but you and I suffer from all the time. That paradise with God is not enough. That bread from heaven is not enough. That the presence of God is not enough. And we, from the beginning, have been suffering from this sickness of the soul, a deep thirst and hunger that will destroy us until we are cured and healed. You see, what the serpent was doing to the body in Numbers 21 represented on a larger scale what the serpent had done to every soul. And that is the reason why so many of us will never be satisfied. Your career will never satisfy you. Your family will never satisfy you. Your spouse will never satisfy you. Your house will never satisfy you. Your checking account will never satisfy you. The things of this world will never satisfy because ultimately at the end of the day, you and I suffer from a sickness of the soul. And so their complaining and their grumbling in the wilderness revealed this great sickness. The venom in the body was revealing the venom of the soul. There is a deep sickness that you and I need to be cured from. And it was the serpents that was revealing it to the people of God here in Numbers chapter 21. But thanks be to God that God in his faithfulness and his steadfast love does not leave the people in the wilderness in their moment of sickness. As soon as they respond and understand that they have a deeper problem than just the serpents biting them, but that they have complained against God, God provides a cure. And we see here in Numbers 21 that God alone has the cure, not only for the serpents biting them physically, but God alone has the cure for this sickness of the soul. He's got the vaccine. He has the ultimate cure, but it is quite a bizarre picture, isn't it? What happens is that God commands Moses in verse 7 and 8, and he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take a bronze serpent, and I want you to stick it on a pole, and whoever looks at it will be healed and lived. What in the world is going on here? You're telling me that Moses is commanded to take an image of the very thing attacking and killing the people and somehow by putting this bronze image on a pole, they're going to live? This makes no sense at all until you understand the full story. You see, what has, been the, what has been the theme of this sermon series, week after week, that all the stories of the Bible, no matter how obscure they might be, ultimately point to the grand story of the scripture. And we'll never understand that this could be the cure of God for the sickness of our souls until we understand the full story of scripture. And we only understand the full story when we turn our attention to John chapter 3. You see, it's in John chapter 3 that Jesus is speaking to a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He is a teacher of the law. And he wants to know who Jesus is and what he's come to do. 
And what Jesus does here is so profound because he says to Nicodemus, he says, remember that story in Numbers? Remember that strange story of Moses lifting up a bronze serpent in the wilderness? Well, just as that serpent was, I am. And this is what Jesus says in verses 14 and 15 of John 3. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so the Son of Man might be lifted up. What Jesus is trying to teach Nicodemus and ultimately up to us this morning, that that picture of the serpent in the wilderness was a foreshadowing and a picture of what I am and what I have come to do. I am to be lifted up. But how in the world is Jesus like the serpent? I mean, the serpent from Genesis chapter 3 is a symbol of evil. It's a symbol of sin. And of all the examples Jesus could have chosen all throughout the Old Testament in which he's communicating, this is who I am and this is what I've come to do. Why in the world would he pick a serpent? But that's the point. And that's the gospel. You see, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that Paul reveals to us that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin so that you and I through faith might become the very righteousness of God. You see, it is on the cross of Jesus when he is lifted up on that cross that he takes on the sin of the world and that he becomes like the serpent, not knowing sin, he becomes sin so that in return we might become a child of God. That is the beautiful and glorious exchange of the cross. He becomes like the serpent and we become like the very child of God. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 5 says, By his stripes we are healed. And so God alone provides a way. God alone provides the cure to the sickness of our soul by Jesus taking on the venom of the serpent for us on the cross. But how would someone like you and someone like me ever receive this cure? We are told here that we are cured alone by looking and not by doing. If you go back to Numbers chapter 21 and verse 9, as soon as Moses lifts up this bronze serpent, which is a picture of Jesus Christ, and he lifts it up on a pole, the people of God are told to simply look and not do. The message of God to his people are to simply look, to stop in your tracks, to stop looking to yourself, to stop looking to the things of this world, to look and live. And the word look here in Numbers chapter 21 is synonymous with believe. Because when they look, they are demonstrating that they believe that God alone will heal them. That they are demonstrating that God alone would deliver on his promise. Everything I need to be healed and cured is accomplished. Not by climbing to the top. Not by who is the first one to touch the bronze serpent. But stopping in your tracks. And simply looking away from yourselves. And looking and believing and be healed. 
And what a perfect correlation to John chapter 3, because what does Jesus tell Nicodemus to do? Jesus tells Nicodemus, if you want to be saved, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, it is not by your works, it is not by your labor, it is simply by believing in him, Jesus Christ, that you will enter the kingdom of God. Jesus announces to us this morning, you simply believe. Stop looking to this world, stop looking to yourself, and look to the one who is high and lifted up. Look to the one who has taken on the venom of the serpent and has cured the sickness of your soul once and for all. John chapter 3 tells us what happens when we look up and we believe at Jesus on the cross. John 3 tells us that we are born again because in our sickness of the soul, whether we realize it or not, we are dying and we need a whole new life. You see, the prescription in the Bible is not a three-step plan. It is not take these two pills and call me in the morning. It is look and live. It is believe and be born again. And in an instant, we go from death to life. Jesus announces through my pain and through my labor and through my work on the cross, And through my sacrificial love, you can be born again. And when we look and believe, the healing begins. And the beautiful story of the Christian life is that the healing continues. You see, as we continue in our life, looking away from the world and continuing day by day to look to Jesus, the healing continues and the growing continues and the things that consumed us no longer consume us and our desires change and our longings change and our heart changes as we look away and look to Jesus and live. And there's some this morning that have been walking with Jesus for years and you have turned your attention away from the cross. And this morning, I want to challenge you and encourage you to look again to Jesus, to be freed from the poison of performance, to be freed from the poison of man's approval, to be freed from the poison of all of your doubts and discouragement, to be freed from the poison of fear. Would you look away and look to Jesus and live. But there's some this morning that need to look for the first time. And like Nicodemus, would you look to Jesus and see Jesus high and lifted up on your behalf? And would you live and live forever? You see, what happened with Nicodemus is he looked up and he lived And the coin dropped, and he was born again. The Bible tells us of two men at the the crucifixion that asked to take the body of Jesus, to wash the body of Jesus, and to prepare the body of Jesus. This was unheard of in the ancient world, for two men to, to ask for a dead body, to prepare it for burial. But you know who one of those men were? was Nicodemus because he looked up and his life was forever changed. How about you? How about you today? Be born again.
Tom Brady is one of, arguably, one of the greatest football players to ever play the game. Winner of six Super Bowls. And it was after his last Super Bowl win, as he was literally walking out of the stadium, walking out a winner, he asked himself, is this really all there is? There has to be more to life than this. Well, there is. You can be born again. How about today?